Green Scene on the Pat Kenny Show with AIB, working alongside Irish communities towards a low-carbon future. We pledge to do more. In the green scene today, as hay fever season arrives, what exactly is pollen? Why does it irritate some and not others? But first, uh, why do birds of a feather flock together in the flamingo world? We're joined by Dr. Ruth Freeman, Director of Science for Society at Science Foundation Ireland. Ruth, good morning. Good morning, Pat. So flamingos form cliques. They do. So we, we, you know, we've learned over the past number of years that a lot of animals do form bonds that we would describe as friendship, but not too many in the bird world. But actually, we found uh, recently that flamingos form these quite tight little cliques and, and birds of a feather, as you say, they do flock together. And this is work from the University of Exeter. And it was looking at captive flamingos, but big groups of captive flamingos. And, and they studied two different um, populations. So one was a group of nearly 150 Caribbean flamingos and the other one was 115 Chilean flamingos. And they built a detailed personality profile for every flamingo in the flock and Flamingos are actually quite easy to, to pick up their personality because, you, you know, they, they move their bodies and their feathers to, to be in dominant or submissive positions. And they were able to characterize every single bird as being aggressive or submissive, you know, and, and they were able to then map to see how much time all the different birds spent with each other. And they found that those birds that were that were more aggressive and more likely to be exploring spent time together. They tended to look after each other if they ended up in a fight, so they'd be more likely to mill in with one of their mates and and help them out. Um, And then the quieter birds tended to spend time together as well and and help each other stay out of trouble. So um, did both uh, flocks, the Chilean and uh, the uh, Caribbean ones, did they all demonstrate this behaviour? They, they all had the same behaviour, but it didn't seem to have the same impact on the social structure. So interestingly, in the, in, the, in the Caribbean flamingos, those more aggressive ones tended to actually have more friends and form stronger social bonds. So the friendship role in that particular flock seemed to be much more part of the social structure of the whole group of birds. But, but broadly speaking, the pattern was very consistent. And therefore, we think it's probably likely to be something that would be seen in, in flamingos in the wild. Now, flamingos can live many years maybe up to 80 years. So these these bonds could be quite an important part of how the species exists. And it's also really important for, for anyone that's trying to look after flamingos in captivity. And because, you know, they need space and time and they need to have a flock of sufficient size that they can find and maintain mm. friends. Um, and of course, often with zoos and breeding programs, you know, zoos, you, you'll know this well, Pat, that animals get moved around from zoo mm. to zoo to try and maximize the genetic potential but I think more and more we're going to have to start thinking about or those that look after animals will start to think about these bonds inside groups of animals yeah. that, that may be part of keeping a population healthy and happy. Yeah. I mean, we know that uh, animals capable of forming fond, uh, strong bonds with each other, horses, elephants, camels, and yeah. in the marine environment, dolphins. So if you were to extract uh, key family members from these groupings, I mean, it's very upsetting. Absolutely. And I think we're only going to find out more and more that these kind of relationships exist in other animals as well as ourselves. Now, let's talk uh, hay fever and pollen because hay fever season is well and truly uh, upon us. Uh, So what is it? I mean, what is hay fever? What is pollen? 
Yeah, most people will know that pollen is coming from, from flowering plants and it is, in fact, the male reproductive cell of the flowering plant and it's released from some plants into the air, but it is irritant. So these grains, they have proteins that are very allergenic, so they tend to stimulate our immune system and you get the sneezing, the runny nose. And it is pollen from things like grasses and trees and weeds that are the worst for causing those allergies. And it's, you're particularly likely to have hay fever if you already suffer from asthma. Um, and of course, in, in Ireland, what, what can you do? I mean, taking an antihistamine helps. And a lot of people will look at pollen forecasts to see, well, is it going to be a bad day for me today if I suffer from hay fever? And we have had to get our forecasts from from the UK until now. We've got them from the University of Worcester and the UK Met Office. But in, in good news, I think, for hay fever sufferers here, Met Erin and the EPA and Dublin City University have developed, they're now developing our own first, our independent pollen forecasts here in Ireland. So they're going to use specialised lasers uh, to, to measure sort of ultra-fast snapshots of the amount of pollen in the air and and we hopefully will have these in several locations across the country and this means that we'll be able to give people in Ireland uh, much more accurate information about how much pollen they're likely to be facing as they're heading out in the spring and summer months. Mm -hmm. Um, So the the question of uh, pollination, I mean we think of flying insects as being the chief pollinators but uh, I mean pollen that's ejected into the air by a tree or uh, a hedge or whatever it might be, is that just hoping against hope that it'll land in the right place. Yes, seeds have all sorts of clever ways to spread. Some use the wind, some use animals, you know, birds that stick to the fur of your dog. So there's loads of clever ways that nature has evolved to spread pollen. But but you're right, I mean, insects are, are a really important pollinator for some species. And, and there was new research this week because because there has been a question, which came first in evolution? It's a bit like the chicken and the egg. Which came first? The beautiful flowers that attract the pollinators or, or the, 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 pollen, the pollinators themselves. And, and we have, I mean, plants, flowering plants have been around for a long time, about 100 million years. I mean, we've only been around for about 200,000 years. Uh, and, and we were trying to find in the fossil record when pollinators appeared. And there was some fossil evidence showing a species about 160 million years ago that seemed to bring pollen from plant to plant. But obviously it wasn't been attracted by these special flowers and getting a nectar treat for doing that job. Job, uh, like the bees do today. But work this week found little insects that lived nearly 300 million years ago. And what this tells us is this idea of insects being used as a vehicle to move pollen from plants to plants evolved way before flowering plants. Um, so it's something that's been going on for a long, long time. And flowering plants then came along and just created something that made it even more attractive for insects to come and help them out. Dr. Ruth Freeman, Director of Science for Society at Science Foundation Ireland. Uh, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Green Scene on the Pat Kenny Show with AIB, working alongside Irish communities towards a low carbon future. We pledge to do more.